You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 25 of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. We are a quarter of a century in, in terms of episodes, obviously. Um, and this week, we got the chance to speak with Ovi Soko, who is currently plying his trade in Spain in the ACB. Proved to be a really interesting conversation. You may have seen the article that we released this weekend um, with a little short snippet from it, where he was very... Um, open and honest and critical of the British basketball program. And like I said, that was a a short snippet. Um, We spoke about it in depth and he provided a lot of really interesting insight, which I think is really important. Um, And as as I say in the interview, there's a lot of people that are very unhappy with a lot of things, but because of their kind of position or stake in the game, it's very hard for them to go on record and be public about these things. Um, and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because if people aren't willing to talk about it openly, then nothing can ever change. Um, and there isn't that pressure that's put on put on the people that, that might be acting in a in the wrong way. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of uh, meaty stuff in this. Let's say um, you know, Ovi is, has played a, a sort of I don't know whether the right word is not a key a sort of yeah a key role in my career in in the way that of. He's kind of run alongside it. There's a few. There's a few guys that sort of were coming up as as Hoops Fix was growing, and, and Ovi was one of them. And you'll hear us talk about it a little bit in this uh, the summer of 2010, which was kind of like my first real summer on the scene. Um, he was a well, yeah, he was an unknown. Um, you know, showed up, represented the Great Britain under 20s, led the team in scoring, averaged like 20 a game at the European Championships, then turned up in London at Midnight Madness run. Um, in East London and absolutely dominated and everyone was just like who is this guy no one you know he'd left the country when he was 16 17 and uh, no one had seen him for two or three years and when he left um, people just didn't know who he was and didn't think didn't think he was that good he just had the raw tools but was nothing like he was when he when he showed up in that summer Um, so yeah it was really good to talk a little bit about that and kind of his view on it and then kind of his career trajectory um, through until now, where obviously he's having a very successful season in Spain and the ACB, um, competing in, in Europe as well. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of real interesting insight in this. Uh, Ovi's a very intelligent guy, um, and he provides a lot of real interesting opinion and thought on kind of his career um, and how he's got to where he's where he's got to. Anyway, that's enough from me. Um, have a listen. Let me know what you think. As always, I'm contactable on Sam at HoopsFix.com. All the social media profiles at HoopsFix. If you have a minute, it would be much appreciated if you could go onto iTunes uh, or Stitcher or whatever podcast platform you listen to this to and give it a rating and review. Uh, it makes a huge difference in terms of us being able to rise up the rankings and speak to more people, more people to listen to us. Um, and also, it's just good feedback for me, uh, I find it very motivating. Uh, the feedback is, is always great. But yeah, if you could take just 30 seconds just to give us a rating and a review, and we'll start reading out the best ones from next week, um, just to provide a little incentive and give people shout-outs as well. So yeah, anyway, have a listen. Here's my conversation with Ovi Soko. We're honoured to be here with GB and UCAM Mercia player Ovi Soko. Ovi, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Nice to be here. 
So obviously, uh, big game last night. Um, just, just I quickly just saw before we jumped on the court. I was like, oh, I better check how how you've been doing and that. And and you've now qualified for the top sixteen in the Euro Cup, right? Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, no, really happy to have you know moved forward in the first year. How big is that for the club? It's really big. It's really big. I think. Um, because it's their it's their first year in the tournament, so uh, you know to do well, I think it means a lot for the city and and the club. And uh, you that that was away last night. Where were you last night? Where were you playing? At Malaga, we were in Malaga last night. So you haven't had the sort of uh, homecoming reception yet, or anything else, which will be in your next home game, I assume. Yeah, no, no, won't. Uh, I haven't had that yet, uh, so. And how, how how have you found uh, the transition to the ACB this season? Um, it is a transition uh, because the style of play here is is different from the leagues where I've played in the past. Um, but I I would have just said it, it, it's just something that just needed a little bit of time. From a skill standpoint and, you know, the ability to, to play in the league, I, I, I never doubted myself that I'd be able to, you know, play here. But you just got to figure everything out, you know. What would you say are the biggest differences? Like, what is there, is there anything in particular that surprised you um, in comparison to, uh, you know, France and Greece and other places you played? Um, it is... It, it's a lot it's faster than I thought it would be originally. Um, you know, I always had this thing in my mind that the whole of Europe was sort of this slow paced game, but you know, they do get up and down and play. Uh which is very different from Greece. Greece is a lot slower. Um and generally size. You know, the teams are bigger, players are just bigger as far as you know, tall wise. Players are taller, so um Yes, that's probably the biggest difference. And culturally, how how have you found it um, in, compa- in comparison to sort of other countries you've played? And you know how have you found the fans. Um, you know, I saw when you signed, like there was just loads. Of, like you know, normally when we're trying to track all the guys in Europe, there'll be some places where it's real difficult to find information. And of course, you know, in Spain, there's just TV stations which we can find video, we can find interviews. Um, you know, how, how have you found sort of the off-the-court side of things? Um, the, the, the fans here are really, really good. You know, they're, they're really friendly, very nice. Um, they're smart. They, they do know um, a lot more than the average fans are, in my own opinion. They're not as wild as the fans in Greece. <laughs> You know, the, the Greece fans, I'd definitely say, have that um, over the rest of Europe. And I love those fans for that. You know, you, you saw, see their passion. They're, they're very similar to, to hooligans. But, <laughs> no, it, it, that's just seriously. But, you know, we, without the violent side of it. But, yeah, you know, you, you feel their presence. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, in terms of the media and stuff, like, do you find there's a there's a much bigger media following of basketball in in Spain than other countries? 
yeah, you know, I, I definitely feel like the media um, you know, follows it very closely in Spain. Uh, I, I feel like I, I've taken a little step up as far as the the level of the team I'm playing on now. So um, I feel like that also has stuff to do. But generally, the media the media does a good job out here of staying on top of everything. Obviously, this this summer. Um you were named in the initial GB squad, and then I think between was it between that time you then obviously ended up signing in Spain, and um, and you kind of had had those commitments that you needed to see through. Did you follow um, sort of the GB campaign um, that just recently finished up in terms of their qualification for Eurobasket? Um, and if so, uh, what were your thoughts on it, and how did you feel about missing out this year? I definitely wanted to play. Um, it was something that I, I spoke with. Head coach about, um, and it's something that you know I I didn't miss the I missed it you know because I feel like being able to play for your country is always a, a big opportunity, um, and I and I followed uh, I followed some of the guys um, you know I, I always sort of try and keep up with you know see how uh, Andrew does and um, you know some of the guys who I played with. Initially, um, in the under twenty squad, um, and I mean, those guys did a fantastic job of qualifying. Man, you know uh, what they did this summer was really it was really big time, big, 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 big time. So, um, and are you planning on rejoining them next summer? I always plan to 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 you know play if my numbers is if my number is called. Uh, last summer was just unfortunate, you know, it was just a situation career-wise where, um, you know, this opportunity for me, I, I had to make sure that I was, I had to make myself fully available pretty much. But, you know, this upcoming summer, I, I feel like the situation will be different and, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to, to, to try and make the team and, and, and help them out. Obviously, you're you know as a as a junior coming up, um, you know there were you didn't represent any national team until until the under twenties in in twenty ten. Uh, do you, would you say do you think it's fair to say that you're you're a late developer in that sense? Um, I think. Yeah, no. I don't know. I I just feel like uh, I wasn't one of the guys who was um, around, you know, on the scene for from a young age necessarily. You know, I'm really close with Ryan, um, Ryan Martin, and he's you know. He saw sort of opposite for me. He's one of those guys I feel like, you know, he was pretty well known from, from younger. You know, same with Kenroy. I remember him when I was younger, you know, those guys a lot of people sort of knew who those guys were, you know. But um I just wasn't really known. Yeah. Uh, I think you probably you've you you've probably been the single biggest uh impact as far as that. Right. right. <laughs> 
I would have been about 10, 11, 10 or 11. Okay. That was the first time I, I really even, and I, and I didn't take it seriously. It was just something they did. So, you know, just sort of tagging along kind of thing. Um, but, so I followed them around and, I don't know, man. After a while, I just sort of took it seriously. I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like it kept me out of a bit of trouble. Uh, so it was just, as long as it keeps me out of trouble and I like doing it, why not type of deal, you know? Um, so as soon as I sort of started taking it seriously, though, I, I you know, I always, every kid I feel like has, you know, the dream, you want to go and play in the NBA and I, you know, I just really felt like I could, uh, I could play at a higher level. I thought I could really be really good. And it's funny enough that you said that because, um, you know, obviously before I went to the States for a while, you know, I was never really considered the best guy on the team and that. Like, the, you know, I sort of would get, um, I just never really got much love, to be fair. Um, and funny enough, like, that's one of the things that sort of, uh, keeps me, keeps me humbled, I guess. So, um, I head off to the States when I was 15. I went to a camp out there that summer. Um, and it happened all so quick because, you know, I didn't know how I was going to get out there. You know, I just, you know, like every kid in the, in the UK, you just know you want to go. And um, I went out to the camp. There was a coach there that was good friends of uh, a small prep school coach in Virginia. Camp was in Oregon. So, uh, you know, he sort of uh, hooked that whole thing up. And, you know, I didn't know I was going to the States or how I was going to get there. But two weeks after the camp, you know, I'm sorting everything out. And you know, all of a sudden, I'm going to the States. Um, and this is when you were 15 still? When I was 15, yeah. It all happened in, like, one summer, you know. And how uh, tall were you? Were you had, like, did you have sort of some of the sort of physical tools that you have now back then, or were you still kind of undeveloped, young? Like, I was, I was smaller. I, I was still tall, but, you know, obviously I wasn't as, as big as I ended up being. Um, I could dunk and all that before I left. You know, I was really athletic. Um... You know, shoot a little bit, but yeah, no, I went out to the states and just—I don't know, man. It, it was just something that I—I I, I said to myself, if I was gonna go there and I was gonna come back. I was gonna take advantage of it, yeah. pretty much, more or less. I, I really wanted to take advantage of it because I did remember all the sort of guys growing up who, uh, you know, I don't know my. I guess my 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 friends now, but a lot of them, um, you know, would always say, "Ah, oh, he's not that good." Like, basically, basically, sort of shit on me. So, excuse my language, uh, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, a lot of them, you know, would sort of talk bad about me and that, and it it got to me a little bit back then. But obviously, when you're younger. You don't really listen to a lot of stuff. Once you have something in your mind, you know, it's pretty much screw everyone else. It is what it is. I believe in myself. And that's, I rode with it, innit? 
do you think that uh, do you think that you still kind of have that chip on your shoulder now? Yeah, man. To be honest, I feel like it's one of those things that I'll always have. Um, uh, I, I just try to channel it a little bit more positively now. Uh, <laughs> you know, and not necessarily feel like the world is against you, but it is something where I always do always have something to prove. Because even it don't matter what you do, there's always going to be a guy that's like, oh well. He's not that good for this, just and that reason, you know. So, I don't know. I, I always sort of have that, that little, little devil on my shoulder. Um, you know, sort of uh, whispering a lot of what's been said into my ears just to keep me locked in, keep me focused and that. So, in, when the, in fact, before you went to the States, what was it? was it Barnet you were playing for? Was that the club that you played for in England? Yeah, I played for Barnet, you know. Um, I grew up in White Hart Lane, and then when I was like 12, parents, nah, I was like 10, around that age, my parents moved to, uh, they moved to, to Barnet. So then I started, you know, that's where my brother started playing and that. So then, but to be fair, like I would, I would really play everywhere though. You know, that was the club that I played for on the weekends and that. But throughout the week or whatever, I'll sort of be all over the place. You know, I'll go down to Brixton to train one day. I'll go back up to Tottenham to train one day. Go to Hackney to train. Like, you know, it was really just wherever there was a run because you know how it is. Yeah. Sort of getting into a gym in, in England, isn't it? So, do you still um, have those problems now when you come back trying to find something to work out? Nah, you know, um, it's it's a lot better now than it was when when I first started up. To be fair, um, and I feel like a lot of the kids now they don't understand how the, some of the struggles. Like, and I'm sure it was a lot better when I was coming up than it was for the guys that came before me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But like uh, the spot down in um, the, the Jordan court, the black court. Like, yeah, Regal. They, yeah, Regal. They didn't have that when I was you know, growing up. Like, no way. Yeah. If they had that, I would have been there every day, you know. I was actually having that conversation with someone the other day and that, you know, we still talk about sort of the lack of access to facilities and, and all this being a massive issue for, for kids coming up. But actually... You know, you compare it now to to what it was even, you know, five, six, six years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it's yeah. so much better, you know, with, with academies and stuff, kids now can pretty much work out or, or find a run and get inside a gym somewhere whenever they want, especially in London. Um, yeah, no, Barking Abbey, I wasn't even heard of before I went to the state. Yeah. Yeah. So it was almost like you got to try and make it to the States or you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then there's, you know, there's yeah. really no alternative. Well, I think, yeah, it's interesting cause, because that is still, I think that's still the rhetoric, especially, you know, I think if I speak to any young player, um, 99% of them will say that they, they want to go to the States and that's kind of the goal. But actually now... There are more. There are more players that 
I think there are other routes available that, that didn't used to be available. And on the same basis, I think in your era was probably one of the sort of the last ones where you would have to go young. Whereas now what's happening is that uh, kids are staying until they finish um, college in the UK. So when they get to sort of 18, 19, and then they're going straight to, to university or to college in the States from yeah. England, which never yeah. used to happen. Um, so yeah, things are changing, but obviously still, still a long, still a long way off from. Um, I think, I think the ideal world would be well for, for British basketball development. I think the ideal world would would obviously be kids staying here and us being able to offer the same opportunities that the states or Europe can offer. Um, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's it's obviously culturally, it's that's, there's a massive roadblock. Um, but but anyway, yeah, sorry. So. Uh, so you're playing for Barnet, you moved to the States. So what year did you go into when you moved to the States? Was that into your junior year or was that was it younger? No, I was into my junior year. So that was your first year in the States was your junior year? Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the first year I was out there was my junior year and I moved, went to a um, private school, Hampton Rose Academy, uh, you know, the... The whole prep school, that was really the, the way I was able to go out there because um, they could give me uh, an I-20. They could issue one, which is what you need to get the visa and stuff. Okay. Um, so, you know, that was that was really big time. So I went out there and I, I saw it. I did really well. But to be fair, it was... Uh, it's funny because I go out there and I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing, I'm killing and that, blah blah, and then at the end of the year, I watch, I watch the state championship game for Virginia for the public school, um, and I don't know, man, it was just a different level from what I was playing, at. and I was like, nah, man, that something's not right, I, you know, I'm, I'm right now, I just feel like I'm a big fish in a small pond type of deal as far as the, the private school deal. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you know, I, I really want to try and find a way to move. So that summer I played for Boo Williams, um, which is probably one of the bigger AU uh, teams in the country. And uh, one of the assistant coaches was... Um, he was one of the coaches over at Bethel High School, which is the school that I saw in the state championship game, you know. Um, so he was like, yeah, I, I, I told him this. I told him I wanted to move. I told him I wasn't really happy um, staying in a, you know, at a private school. And I got there, and that's sort of where I feel like I really kind of took off. I got there, and I was pretty good, but I don't know, man. You know, you, you just play with a different level of dog in you when you get, you know, when when you get around uh, around a lot of talent, you know, it's sort of sink or swim type of environment every day. So I feel like that's what really helped me kind of take off. What's, what's interesting for me is that when, because I... I was always assumed, pretty much based on the conversation that I had with whoever it was at the score about uh, how good you were before you went to the States, I assumed that you went out to the States and you were 
completely raw and just not much of a basketball player. But then, and so then that's why I asked, what years are you going to? Because obviously I looked up your junior year numbers and you averaged 18 points and just under nine rebounds a game in your junior year, which was obviously your first year in the States, which means that the transition for you can't have been that difficult from England to the States. Or was, was, do you think it was that you were, that the level was, was that much lower? Or do you just think that you, you just really rose to the challenge? Um, like what was it that led to your sort of smooth transition to the US game? I just, I really, really wanted to do well, man. You know, regardless of how good I might have been or this or that, um, I feel like it was just a bit, I really had the desire to, to do well and prove a lot of people wrong, you know. Um, and and that, that sort of took me a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like out there, you know, it, it made me work that much harder. Um, it made me, you know, spend a lot of extra hours and that. It made me remember why I was there, you know what I mean? Because a lot of guys, it's easy to go to the States and forget why you got there, you know what I mean? Or what you're there to do. Um, so uh, I don't know the desire. Whether I was that good or not, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I, I've always sort of thought I was, um, I was the shit. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're supposed to. So uh, you know, I, I don't know. Could have really answered that one. And, and how many hours were you putting in then? I, you know, I assume that, like you just said, that do. You, when you're in England, getting somewhere to getting somewhere to work out and getting access to to a gym or whatever was difficult. I'd assume then when when you got to the states, all of a sudden you've got practice every day and you know access to a gym whenever you want. You know how how many hours and what sort of work were you putting in? I was I was just playing all the time. You know, it was one of those things when I got there. It wasn't like. Um, I was outside of practice and doing a hundred drills and that. Not really, not necessarily, but I was playing. Like I'll go from practice and I'll go and play pickup for like two hours, and then on Sundays I'll go over from Hampton to Norfolk or to Chesapeake and play with some of the guys over there. Just playing all the time. That's really all I. You know, I didn't really do much going out and that. You know, I, I was just playing <laughs> every day. And I feel like that's something that really, really sort of helped me early on. You know what I mean? And at this point, you already set your mind on, you know, you want to make it pro, like that's what you want to do with your life. Oh, yeah, man. I, I made my mind up about that before I left, before I left uh, England. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And it's crazy, actually, you know, like before I left, um, probably when I was 14, 13, 14, around that age, like, I don't know, Midnight Madness, they had, like, um, like an event in, um, what's the name? Uh, forget the name of the school. It's in, like, it's in northwest London. It's got, like, our oh, Capital. Capital City Academy. Capital City Academy, yeah. They had, like, a Midnight Madness did a little deal there. And um, it's crazy because someone who I knew, they sort of kind of tried to introduce me to Nano, and he kind of big time me. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it was, that's it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. You know, because he was like, um, "Yeah, no, nah, I think this kid could be alright." Blah blah. He sort of tried to introduce me to him, 
you know, obviously, Nama's running the whole show. He's a busy guy, but he saw a big time, you know. You know, he was like, uh, yeah, he, you know, I got a couple of D2 schools uh, that, you know, I could try and hook him up with if he's got what it takes type of thing, you know. Uh, I'll always remember that. It's just jokes. And you added that to the collection box of things to motivate you and, and yeah. drive you forward. Yeah, and there's nothing, you know, nothing I would against him. Obviously, I didn't, no one knew who I was at those times, so it is what it is, isn't it? But it's just funny, just looking in retrospect, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. I always think that, you know, there are so many, uh, there are so many players that, you know, develop at different stages, and um, I mean, you know, I get hit up by a lot of kids all the time, and they're asking me to come make them a mixtape and do this for them, and you know, obviously I've got to choose, I've got to pick and choose and it's inevitable that I end up upsetting certain people um, and rubbing people the wrong way but it's just, you know, it's just the way, the way, the way it is. Like, you know, you can't, you can't win them all type of thing. Um, and at the end of the day, I do see it as, um, as something where, you know, once, once you've done what you got to do, you know, people will sort of look out for you, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, it's not even personal against normal. It's just one of those things where um, I hadn't created any sort of name for myself. So, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It comes back to that thing about, you know, be so good they can't ignore you. You know, you obviously you obviously took that and you, you dealt with it the right way in terms of, uh, okay, I'm going to use that to make myself better and I'm going to use it to drive me. And then, you know, years down the line, you're playing at Midnight Madness. You actually represented Midnight Madness at K54. Um, which I assume is Namo coming to you, asking you if, if you would like to play for me that manner, because he wanted you to play for him. Um, and, you know, I, I always just think that. I think that a lot of people approach these things in the wrong way, uh, and ra- rather, than, rather than using it to turn a negative into a positive, they just sit on it and just say, oh, you know, screw this guy, you know, that this and that or whatever, and just like to get caught up in all that negativity rather than kind of using it as a, as a driving force. Um, this is never possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, so, in your so your senior year, kind of that's when you just said that you you know you it all really started clicking. Um, you were you were a McDonald's All American nominee, right? Um, and I think you were you also nationally ranked at that point uh, by some of the sort of national ranking services. I was um, the number twenty. How am I? Twenty fifth. Small forward in the country at that time. It's pretty cool. Did you did you did did you celebrate that or did you feel slighted by that that you weren't higher? Yeah, I mean, I, I always feel like I'm better than this guy and that guy, and I always feel like I'm better. But it was one of those things. I I, I didn't care too tough. It wasn't something that I didn't really. It didn't make my day, basically, you know what I mean, being yeah. right you know, which is sort of the, um, I don't know, sort of the whole mindset I've always tried to have. Um, and I feel like that's the most productive mindset, you know, not necessarily letting guys' opinions about you make you or break you. Like, it can't, you, you can't only be good when someone else says you're good, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's got to come with from within, right? Otherwise, you're, you you become so fragile that uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm a glass house. 
Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I'm assuming at this point you um, had started receiving interest from from colleges. Um, kind of, can you talk a little bit about what the recruitment process was like? Who was showing interest, and kind of what your thought thought process was going into deciding um, which college to attend? Yeah, no, the recruiting process was interesting for me because it was a situation where my junior year, you know, I didn't have, it wasn't, you know, so crazy for me. And then, uh, you know, my senior, obviously everything sort of just changes. Um, you know, I was getting interest from a ton of mid-major schools, and then there was a handful of high major schools also in the picture. Uh, but basically the main feedback I was getting was, um, you know, the high majors, they were basically telling me they wanted me to go to prep school for a year. Uh, and I was a bit pissed off by that. You know, I felt like I was ready to play at any, any level. You know, I definitely felt like I could play at the highest level in college. Um, but they didn't, you know, they didn't think I was ready that year. You know, so after that, um, I ended up going to uh, UAB, which was a really good decision for me. I see now in retrospect at the time, I probably don't, I, I don't think I was mature enough to play for Coach Davis. Who is, um, he's a very wise coach. Um, and you'll learn a lot from him if, if you're willing to sort of take it in. Um, but I ended up going there because I, I just wanted to play straight away, you know. Still didn't end up playing straight away, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, I went through the freshman growing pains. How, uh, how did you find that transition to the college game? Did you expect to just go in and, and you know drop twenty and ten a game or? Oh, I, I I legitimately believed that um, I was uh, a two year player. I was really? A, yeah, 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 yeah. To this day, I'll tell you. You know, I, I was I had my mind made up. I was going to be in college for two years and, and, and go to the NBA straight up. <laughs> That's really what I believe. But. Um, and, you know, I don't know, man. To be honest with you, if I might have went to a different school, I know you can always say this and that. Um, but, you know, I went somewhere where we won a lot. And, you know, obviously in, in programs that you you sort of, you run in that sort of way where it has tradition and, you know, obviously you sort of have to kind of wait your turn type of thing, which is what it was. Um, you know, I ended up really having to wait my freshman year. Um, obviously, I, I could have went to probably a smaller school for my freshman year and just probably I would have went nuts. Yeah. You know, um, I had Elijah Millsap in front of me. He was, he was first team all conference, the whole nine and that. He, he was a beast. So, uh, yeah, no, I just so I had to wait my turn. Did, did you... Like, how did you feel about that? Did you resent that? I did. I did. I hated it with every fibre in my body because I just knew that I could play. I knew 
that I was good enough, I knew, you know. And that, I think that was sort of part of the, you know, part of that summer being going like it did was some of my freshman year and not having played as much as I know as I should. I know I should have, you know, so I was just like, man, you know what? You know, so F everybody and just got to kill everyone, man, you know. What what were the conversations like with the coach in your freshman year? Did you you express your feelings of, you know, that you weren't playing enough or or anything else? uh, Coach Coach Davis isn't really one of them coaches you could... uh, (laughs) You can talk about that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I spoke a lot with uh, one of the assistant coaches. And at the end of the year, I, I really almost left. I, you know, I told him that um, I think it would probably be a better idea if I left. And I, 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 re- I told him that, um, but didn't end up uh, didn't end up happening. Um, sort of convinced to stay. Then that was the, the then that was the summer you then came back represented GB, led the team yeah. score and average twenty a game. Uh, you guys finished sixth, which I think at the time was the highest highest place finish in Division B that we'd had. Um, and then obviously Midnight Madness, so it's kind of like you put your name on the map a little bit back in the UK. And I guess there was some personal satisfaction in that, right? It's like you know you haven't played all year, you come back. It's kind of more proof in your head that that. Uh, you should be playing more, and and then that that kind of your sophomore season, that was the one when you were recognised as one of the team's most improved players, and you kind of took a big yeah. step forward, right? Yeah, yeah, no, my um, oh, my sophomore year, you know, my that summer sort of rolled into my sophomore year, and, and really um, helped helped me out. I think um, it was a really big summer. How did the, how did the under twenty call up come about? Uh, I don't know, man. I generally believe that at first they sort of just called me just out of a formality. <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely, I really knew that's what it was. Like, you know, GB guys then, they didn't know what they were doing. They just, they just sort of called me up as a formality. Because um, no one really knew who I was. I think Lewis, Tim Lewis was the coach at that time. He didn't know who I was. Uh, so, yeah. And that, that, that must have been nice for you because you were playing with... Uh, in fact, did you know, like, Ryan Martin, Andrew Lawrence? Was Miles on that team as well? Like, Yeah, Miles was on that team. Just... Uh, what's it? Oh, not just... Um, Will Nabel was on that team. The only guys I knew was Ryan Martin and um, and Rob Gilchrist. All the other guys, I had no idea what going on. Did you did you enjoy that summer? Like, did you enjoy representing Great Britain? Like, I guess that summer was fun. That summer was funny, man. A lot of funny memories. Anyone who played on that team, I tell you, that summer was <laughs> summer was interesting. I was a bit of a twit, to be honest, but yeah, no, I was interested. It was cool. And have you remained in touch with all the guys that are on that squad, or some of the guys? Yeah, I follow. I follow. You know, I speak with um Miles every once in a while. 
um, you know, speak with Ryan. That's that's my that's my guy. That's my brother there. Speak with him almost you know most days. Yeah. Uh, and I saw and I follow Andrew. You know, you know, and I follow um, you know, follow Jamel and that. So I, I do keep in touch with most of them. Follow Rob, you know, I'm always uh, keeping in touch with Rob a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so you had, so then you had your sophomore year at UAB. Um, I'm aware of time. These things always, time always goes so quick. Uh, the, and then, you, you know, ultimately you ended up transferring um, after your junior year, right, at, at UAB. What, what, went into that decision? What made you decide to uh, look for another school? Yeah, well, you know, to be fair, like, after my freshman year, you know, where the head for the year, was convinced to stay um, and came back and we ended up winning conference, went to the NCAA tournament and stuff. So I had a really good sophomore year, but to be fair, I, I didn't, I just didn't, wasn't, I was never really able just to play with freedom under Coach Davis. Um, you know, that's just how he ran stuff back then. Not sure how he does it now. But, you know, I just wasn't really able to play with, with freedom. Uh, but after you win a championship with your, with your team, it's so sort of hard to leave after that year because, you know, now the question is like, all right, well, what's his whole deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, junior year didn't have a good year team didn't have a good year um, and ultimately uh, they end up releasing Coach Davis and uh, you know I just felt like alright well this is the situation this is a point this is a chance sorry for me to um, to sort of just have a brand new start you know and, and really go for it my, my senior year um, because uh, the the junior year, you know, really sort of took a lot out of me. Um, that was the first year where I really sort of had a leadership role on that team. And, uh, you know, part of me wasn't ready for that leadership role and, you know, I didn't do enough and do as much as I should have. I should have done a lot more. Um, but, you know, at the end of the year, I sort of sat down and I was like, all right, well, you know, I've got one year to, to to sort of make something happen uh, and to get the job sort of done. So I knew I had to move. I was really, really close to going to market. I think I actually, I think I would have, I would have committed there, but not enough of my college credits would have transferred over. Um but, you know, I ended up going, I went to Duquesne, which um, I do not regret one bit. Uh, Coach Ferry there, my senior year, he um, he really, he knew how much I worked, though. You know, that year I sat out, I mean, I, I worked, man. That year I worked. I really, really, really worked. Um so, yeah, he, he just sort of gave me an opportunity just to play, you know. 
How oh. how hard was it to make the decision to leave knowing that you'd have to sit out a year? To be honest, it was it wasn't hard at all. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was really hard when I was in it. When I had to actually start sitting out, it, you know, that killed me. But you know, at the time when it was about making the decision, I, I knew I was going to leave and, and have to sit out somewhere. So I was just my whole mindset at that point it had gone so far that I was just I already sort of made my mind up, but it was just more about all right. I was just preparing my mind to do what I have to do with that time off, you know, and get the job done in that time off. Um in order for me to make the biggest impact I can make and and, and, and play as well as I can play. Yeah. What was your um what was your mental process at this point? Because you know, you, you told us earlier that in your head when you first got to college you thought that you were a two year player. Yeah. And obviously yeah. by this point you'd you'd completed your junior year, um and obviously it hadn't happened. Uh so kind of what were you thinking in your head? Was it still okay, I need to have one massive senior year, then I can still make the league? Um or were you thinking something differently at this point? Had you adjusted your kind of thought process? I was still um focused on going to the league. Uh you know, that was something that I I, I still believe. Um but obviously uh my my ego took a a big hit, you know, that junior year playing under Coach Davis. Like he's one of those coaches who will stick it on you, um and really, really he'll challenge you mentally, man. Really challenge you mentally. And that's why I said what I said earlier about uh, I probably were, I, I definitely wasn't mature enough to play for a coach like him at that time, you know. You know, now I can play for a coach like him, no problem. Probably only because I did play for him. Mm. But at that time, you know, I I took. I had this mindset for so long about taking so much so personally, you know, because so many. Um, I'd heard so many times before I got to the states, oh, he ain't even that good. He's not that. He's not this. So it, you know, the second someone even sort of challenged me, I, it, it was personal. Like, oh, oh yeah, that's what it is. Oh, alright, cool. We'll see in it. You know, um, and that was just my whole sort of mindset, you know. Um, and I feel like that hurt me in that situation because, I don't know, man, Coach Davis, he'll check you, but he knows <laughs> he's one of them coaches, man. He, he'll break you down. He'll break you down to dust because he will check you so hard. Do you and think? Part about it is everything he says, he will back you up with numbers and facts and stats. That's it. <laughs> so you can't even argue. He doesn't leave you with any leg to stand on. I, I was going to ask. Do you think that he? Do you think that he took it too far with you? Uh, no. You know what? Now looking back, it's, I don't think it was about taking it too far. 
you know, I feel like his whole thing was about um, getting getting me to see stuff, you know, trying to teach me certain things that I, I you know, I just wasn't sort of hearing at the time. And, uh, you know, to be fair, that year was really crazy, man. There was a lot of personal stuff going on uh, within the team, you know. So um, I do take that into account. You know, there was a lot of stuff that happened that year that I feel like also just made everything a lot harder for everybody, you know. So you, so you obviously you, you made the decision to go to Duquesne. You you sat out that that year where you put in the work, put in the hours, and then you know senior year came round, um, and obviously it, I mean it worked out pretty well. And you you know you led the A10 in scoring, and um, you know how much of a personal vindication was it for you doing what you did in your senior year? You know. I wanted to, you know, obviously I wanted to do, I don't know, man, I'm one of those guys, I wanted to do more, you know, I wanted to do more, felt like I could have done more, but it's just one of those things, like, after I do that, now I just ask myself, shit, like, what if I would have, what if I would have been able to play in a situation similar since my freshman year, then, you know? Yeah. it, 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 It almost just, Proves to myself, like, oh man, if I would have, you know, but then I, I, that's why I try not to think about that so much. It's sort of, oh, would have, could have, should have, like, yeah, it is what it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the whole thing, you kind of almost, you have to look at everything. It's like that exactly. it was the experience at UAB that allowed you to then go to Duquesne and do what you did, and maybe if you'd gone to a situation where you had your free reign in your freshman year or whatever, then it wouldn't have worked out like that and you wouldn't have been able to do what you did in your senior year. Kind of everything happens for a reason, you know, it all works out. Um, yeah. As it, yeah, so. So then, yeah, in your in your senior year, you obviously did what you did. Um, and then, it, you know, when you finished, in your head, when you were thinking about the NBA, were you thinking, I'm going to get drafted? Or were you thinking, you know, it might be a stretch, I probably need to look at options in Europe, kind of, what What was your process at that point? At that point, I knew I didn't, I didn't win enough, you know. By the end of the season, I knew I, 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 I didn't win enough, you know. And it's just, it's just this thing I've always said, um, personally, me, I know, I know when I'm, like, I know when I'm ready, you know. I know when I'm ready. Um, at that time, I I worked myself and I you know I worked tirelessly, but there's just something about being prepared. Like you know when you're prepared. And at that time, um, you know I I in my heart of heart I knew I wasn't prepared. You know what I mean? I just knew I wasn't. Um, I knew I wasn't ready. I, I felt like uh, I definitely needed to do some time in Europe and play as a professional and continue to build on what I sort of started at Duquesne, you know. Um, so, you know, my whole thing, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I, was, I feel like I was better than some guys that got picked up here and there. Yeah, cool. But at the end of the day, I felt like 
I wasn't ready to capitalize on the opportunity. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I definitely, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really angry uh, when it happened. Um, had you had conversations with NBA teams? Um, had you had any feedback? Yeah, no, you know, uh, Golden State wanted me to play on the um, on their D League affiliate. Uh, the what's it called? The Bucks. Um, I actually that was that was the first work I did, and I didn't I didn't play well there. I, I didn't perform well there, but. Yeah, no, it just goes back to just knowing, you know, you, you know, I, I knew I wasn't um, mentally there yet, um, and I feel like, to be fair, now I'm only really just coming back into the mental state that I feel like I, I'm pretty close to, you know, to do something special, you know. So. After that, you then, you know, I assume you signed with an agent and you're kind of exploring options in Europe. Um, I must say that I was surprised when you signed in Pro B in France. Um, kind of what what was, what kind of offers were you fielding then? Was it a case of you actually, uh, you know, weren't getting the level of interest that you thought you were going to get in terms of the level in Europe that you wanted to play at? Or was it a case of actually that was the best offer that you felt was going to suit you to be able to start showcasing your game and kind of take that next step? Um, uh, probably even was, was an interesting decision, man. <laughs> like, I think I was getting interest in, in, you know, first leagues or whatnot, but not as much as I... Well, they weren't giving me the money that I wanted, to be fair. Right. And, and as a rookie, you never really sort of understand how Europe works exactly. But, yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty much a, a big part of it. Um, but also, I do feel like playing in the second league, I felt at the time that like it would allow me to, it would give me the freedom to just play, which is something that I, I needed as a rookie, um, just to sort of get your, my feet wet, you know, just to get the ball rolling. Um, and that year, I, I, I definitely had some, some rookie growing pains and, and, uh, I had to learn what it was to be a, a pro, uh, you know, which is uh, playing is really the last part about being a, a professional, which is something you don't realize until you're in the hot water, you know. Um, so, can, you, can you explain a little bit more about kind of what, what you mean by that? Uh, like, you know, I, I start off the year on fire. I'm playing really, really well. Um Couple teams are, are calling, contacting my agent about the possibility of me moving, and, and then um, you know having me, yeah, you know, sort of basically transfer teams in the middle of the year, you know, and I'm rolling. But then you know, 
the coach, he starts to sort of get on some of the veterans about the production and, you know, he starts sort of throwing some slight, he starts throwing a bit of shade on, on, on some of the players who, who had bigger contracts than mine that weren't necessarily, they didn't have the numbers to match it. You know, so now you're dealing with, um, you're playing well, but you've got teammates that aren't, uh, not necessarily happy for you, <laughs> which is, is, is part of it. You know, it's politics is always part of it. So, um, I don't know, man. That's what happened. I knew it was happening and, and then <laughs> the, the, just the way the team played, you know, for a while, I, I could tell if something was up and I let a lot of that stuff affect me, a lot of that stuff creep in. And that's a lot of stuff that, you know, you do as a rookie. So that's why I say is, is I feel like it was important for me to go somewhere where at least I could just sort of play, you know. Because um, if I could just play, then I, I knew I'll just be able to do what I do, what I do as far as just showing what I'm, capable of doing but then as far as the politics and all the other issues that surround it um you know i'll be learning how to deal with all of that stuff you know so yeah uh a lot of stuff was interesting my first year and, and i feel like you know that's why if you look at my numbers my my rookie season you'll see how i started and you'll just see my numbers just fluctuate throughout the year which um, you know because I, I'd never been used to politics like that you know in America when you're the better player you play period you can be a freshman you can be a senior you can be a walk on if that coach believes you can average whatever and and lead that team you're going to play like, there's no two questions about it but in Europe it's, it's very different there's a lot of politics involved um there's a lot of guys that are protected by politics and a lot of guys that are hurt by politics, you know? Um, so. Do you feel that uh, a kind of like a, you know, if you talk just, you mentioned then about your numbers fluctuating and stuff. If you have like a string of bad games or, or you have poor games, do you feel kind of a pressure or an anxiety of like, oh, you know, could this be the end? Could the team be trying to release me? Could the coach... Um, do this or do that or or do you just try not to think about it and just focus on the controllables um you always think about improving daily but to be fair I don't I never think I'm going to get cut man <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never feel like I'm going to get cut or nah nah I, I nah <laughs> I just um I don't know man I, I, I work too hard for it. I, I know I'm, I'll always bring something to the team that's so valuable. That's valuable to, to, you know, it's never in their best interest to let me go. That's just how I feel, you know. Um, at least uh, up until now, it's how I've always felt, so I feel so. Unless, you know, you know, when I, when I move up a level and I, and I keep on going up, you know, I don't know. I don't even think it would change, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm gonna be, be cut. You know, knock on wood. Besides injuries, 
I just, you know, don't give a team a reason to cut you. Do what you're supposed to do, you know? Were there, aside from the um, kind of political side of things, um, were there any other big surprises for you uh, with professional basketball that you hadn't thought about or just, yeah, just unexpected things, any surprises that kind of like when you turn pro that you're like, oh, I never realised, I thought that it would be like this, I didn't think that this would happen. Like, is there anything in particular that sticks out in your mind? Only the politics. Only the politics. Um, that was probably the biggest thing to get used to, to know that if a guy is a vet, and he might, and he plays your position, you know, you're probably going to have to put in twice as much work as he does and, and be twice as good as he is. And you still, you know, they still might slight you a little bit, but, you know, that, that, I've, I've learned that. You, know, you just got to take it with a grain of salt, man, is what it is, and just, just focus on what you're doing. You know, don't let that get you out of whack and get you out of focus, you know. So after your year in France, um, you went to Greece. Uh, you know how how was that an experience? How do you look back on your time there um, now that you're in Spain? Greece was um, a huge year for me, man. Like mentally, it challenged me in just so many different ways, man. The league, it's a, it's a tough league. Um, really smart league. I, I had to deal with injury. Never been injured before. Um, what injury did you have? Uh, put, I, I, I had a, a small tear in my hamstring. Okay. So I was out for like two months. Uh, I came back and then, then uh, I came back and did pretty well. And I did very well actually. Uh, but yeah, it was just a, it was challenging, man. You know, you deal with off the court stuff, you deal with your money being laid, you deal with uh, the team just just being all over the place, um, and you still have to go out there and, and and perform, you know. Like so, that year last year was huge for me. You know, it was something that I, I fought it with with my agent in the beginning of the year. I fought it. But after I went through it, um, now I see the reason why I had to go through that stuff, just from a growth standpoint. And it was it was before that season. I'm trying to, I'm trying to trying to work out years, but that was was it before was it that summer 2015 when you represented Great Britain against New Zealand? Was that your first senior call up? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, I do want to touch upon that briefly, but you know how how was that for you? Um, you know, finally sort of coming all the way through and and eventually getting that senior cap? Uh, it was cool, man. It was cool to be part of a, a call-up. Um, you know, this, the, the whole GB thing was another thing that, you know, it's... Um, I feel like I got slighted by them. You know, I, you know, I feel like I got sort of, which, and I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one when it comes to the men's squad. 
it's happened to a, oh, a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, that's something that's been a, a big problem in the past, you know, that politics, again, plays a part in that. Um, some of the guys who, you know, I'll stand by it. Uh, some of the guys just aren't that good. It's period. It's not that good. Get spots because, you know, they're vets and that. So, that's what it is, though. Um, when, yeah. you, when you say you feel slighted, do you mean that you, you you felt slighted because you hadn't received a call-up up until that point? Or you felt slighted because... Because yeah, I hadn't had a call-up up until that point, you know. Um, I'm better, you know. And at the time where I wasn't receiving a call-up, um, I was better than guys who they had, you know. Yeah. But there, there's, there's probably, there's three, there's like three or four guys who I can tell you that, that played on a GB team that are, are, are undeniable. And, and, and you can probably name them. I don't got to go into all of that. But then, a lot of the other guys, there's a lot of politics, man. You know, and uh, yeah, it's just I just don't see it. I don't see it. And at the end of the day, for a program to move forward, you have to remove politics. You know. Yeah. It's all good having uh, ambassador this that whatever, but at the end of the day, you have to remove politics because now what you're doing is you are cutting the legs from under your next whatever, you know, your next so-and-so, your next, you're just cutting your legs from underneath them, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's a big issue, man. It's a big issue. I've got a problem with that, but, yeah. And now you, I mean, have you spoken with GB about that? Uh, and kind of how does that affect... You know, you representing GB in the sort of the summer next year, like, is that conversation that you feel that you need to have with them before playing? Or is it something that, you know, it's happened, you feel that way about it, but you're still going to show up next summer, do whatever you need to do, uh, and play and play ball and kind of, and if it happens again, then obviously then you need to re-explore it. No, I mean, I, 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 do, my, um, I do my job and play, you know, because I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I'm supposed, I'm supposed to play, you know what I mean? But it's just something that is known within the basketball community. It's known by anyone who is, you know, into basketball somewhat in in the UK. They know what what it is when it comes to the GV program. And uh, you know, I got the most love for the head coach right now. But um, you know, in the past, the people who have been running it. And you know the head coach, and yeah, man, just a, a, a lot of a lot of favors. I feel like get done, you know. Yeah. And so, so now, are you in regular touch with Prunty now? Is he? In, does he stay in touch with you throughout the season? Yeah, Prunty hits me up, man. You know, he, he he's a genuine person, a good person. Um, and I feel like he he's um he's a coach that is helping put you know, take GB in the right direction, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's funny, the more GB people that I speak to, uh, or players rather, you know, 
everyone has such positive things to say about Printy. Um, and it's almost like, obviously that's great and it's really important that, that he has that relationship with the players and stuff. But at the same time, you know, it also means that if Printy leaves, it doesn't help the programme. Like, it's like it has to come from the programme. It's got to be a cultural thing of like, the program making the players feel valued, you know, staying in regular yeah. touch and whatever else. It can't be reliant on having a good person in that position that just by chance that person is is great with people and, you know, is staying in regular contact because the moment he leaves, he takes it all with him, you know? No, and, and, and that's, that's a sad truth, but that's really what it is at this point. That's really what it is at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, some guys might have a bit more love for the program than others because they've benefited from um, from the bullshit, to be fair with you, to just be frank. But, um, you know, if it wasn't for Coach Franny, uh, man, I, I, I would really not even... I wouldn't even think about playing for GB, man. <laughs> I really... That's just genuine. That's genuine. Yeah. Crazy. Because it, cause it's... Uh, it's just something where every 80% of people who have been involved with the basketball side of GB just swear they've been used. You know what I mean? Like, literally, you know, it's like, oh, nah, man. They'll just use you when, until, um, you know, one of the golden boys is, is ready and then, you know, they'll just get... And then you'll just get tossed to the wayside again, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a yeah, sorry state of affairs. It needs a, the, yeah, the whole program needs a cultural overhaul, you know, and I think it, so much of it begins with, with the culture of the program. So then, you know, whether it's coaching staff, players, whatever can come in and kind of see that, that, uh, yeah, you know, you are valued and, um, and we can get people to come to your games and get you fans and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things that need um, kind of working on. And it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, next summer with with Eurobasket, it's like the the first meaningful competition in in a, in a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, more than a couple of years for for the team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how how it all works out. You know whether. You know how the program is put together, how it's ran. Um, you know what what they do for the players. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued, but I I truly hope that you know things change. I know there are a number of players um, that have said both on and off the record that that things need to change. So you know I hope that uh, it's the beginning because because right now, yeah, things aren't good. And I always say as well, the other thing is that it takes. You know, you saying what you're saying now is like to get a player to go on record to say those things. It's just so difficult, you know. And it's like everyone, it's like this the the worst kept secret that you know so many players feel this way, but then actually they won't go on record to then say that. When it's like, well, if you're not going to go on record, then it makes it very difficult to then put pressure on on whoever it is to then change that situation. You know, I'm I'm not worried about that. You know. GB hasn't, like I said, they didn't, they didn't know who I was until it was a formality anyway. So yeah. get me here, and 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 they won't, they won't be in control of my future in any way. So, okay. well, so as we 
I'm aware of time, so we'll wrap it up. There's a few little uh, quick-fire questions I want to I want to throw at you um, to kind of finish up. So uh, I want to start with the best British player that you've played against. I've played against. Yeah. Um. I've, I don't know. No one. No one just stands out. You know, head and shoulders above the rest. I never played against Deng in it, but I'm sure he's probably the best. So. <laughs> I've best. never played against him, so I don't know. The best dunk of your career? Best dunk? Yeah. I had a couple windmills, man. Windmills, those, those are my favourite, man. Uh, Why is windmill your favourite? Yeah, because yeah, fans love windmills, man. <laughs> You don't have to know anything about basketball. You know, you could dunk on someone absolutely ridiculously, but, you know, if it's not a basketball fan watching, they're just like, oh, nice lambda. If you do a win, it just looks flashy, so they know it was something that was just that. Yeah. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Uh Just take take everything else with a little bit more grain of salt, man. Don't don't take everything else so so militant. Who was your favorite player growing up? Tracy McGrady. Why? He's just an animal, man. Just an absolute animal. I love Tracy McGrady. I love the Iverson. Those guys. They just—I feel like they're just game changers, man. T Mac at six ten, where he could do—I I feel like you—you never—you've never seen it before him um, at that size with that athleticism, and then his whole just package was unbelievable. Uh, do you feel that he ever reached his true potential? Nah, 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 nah. I, I feel like Tracy. You know, he's just was. It's like another penny. You, you know, it's just sad that injuries for took over their career. But, you know, those are guys, some of the few guys in history that you're just like, man, it's, it's almost scary what they could have become, you know, had they not had those injuries. What, uh, what are your goals for the future in particular? Um, where do you see yourself in five years? I see myself having had an opportunity or playing at the highest level, man. You know, I, I I just believe that as long as I just keep doing what I'm doing and just stay focused, I'm gonna be in the position to 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 be playing in the NBA or or you know or having already played in the NBA by that time. Have you have you had conversation? Has any NBA teams come knocking, kind of based on the last couple of seasons? Have you had any interest? I was supposed to actually go to um, to camp with uh, to Dallas, to camp with Dallas uh, last year, um, like summer league camp or something, to you know to play with their summer league team, the Mavericks last summer. But um, I found out about it such short notice. 
Uh, so I wouldn't have, I wasn't prepared at the time. So, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's on the cards. It's always on the cards, I feel like. And then um, post basketball, when your when your career's up, what are your what are your plans? Want to do want to get into a uh, little bit of real estate stuff. Right, that's um, always something that's that could uh, that could work out. And you have the capital to start it off. Um, and also, I don't know, man. I I, I want to. Try and help out, you know, kids in in, in some way, yeah, in some way, you know, whether that be mentoring, whether that's, um, you know, I, I don't know about coaching. I don't think I'll ever coach. I'll lose, I'll lose my, go crazy my coach. But um, no, yeah, man, something just to help out, give back, you know. Um, Get involved with some community work and stuff, man. I feel like that stuff's important. Perfect. I think that's a an awesome place to leave it. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really, really interesting. And yeah, we'll have to get you on for a part two at some point in the future. It's been nice catching up with you. Um, we always miss each other when we're in London, but it was it was good. Good catching up, man. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.